Private Nation. Purple and gold family. Stand to your feet. Put your crossbones up and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the island, man, it's crazy in here A whole sea of purple and gold waving in here Keep a plank for the shark tank, traders beware Because we got a whole bunch of rowdy sailors in here Welcome in to the Sports Objective as we get ready for a big game at Williams Arena And and that'll be coming up tomorrow night, Pirates hosting UCF It's going to be an interesting game because Brandon Suggs that play for the Pirates Coming not home, but back to play ECU against ECU that's going to be great. Kyle Barber, how are you, man? Hey, Dave. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I think the basketball team's overachieved so far. You know, we could be 2-0 in conference, lose by 2 to Temple, and then go on the road and have a dominant performance in the second half against, uh, after, you know, a second half run by Wichita, we dominated and got a win at Wichita. I think we're ahead of schedule. Um, but it's yeah. going to be a tough one against the Knights uh, no, tomorrow night. No doubt with uh, Johnny Dawkins and club coming in. Bubba Rosenbaum, that big win, Wichita State, man, oh, man. Winning by 10 against Wichita, especially there with the Shockers, that was a very – it shocked me, I tell you that. Yeah, excellent effort. Um, winning by 10 on the road, obviously the program's first win over Wichita State, uh, home or away, and uh, played well on the defensive end, but then had a very balanced um, day on offense. I think had four guys in double figures scoring anywhere from 13 to 17 points. And uh, – you know, Really played well. It's probably one of our best and not our best all-around game of the season. And you had to have that type of effort to win by 10 at Wichita State. And, you know, now you have a UCF team coming in. The Knights are 10-4. and four. Those four losses are against very good competition by a combined 13 points. And to talk about tomorrow night's matchup, we'd like to welcome back from the Orlando Sentinel, um, Jason Beatty, Jason, we appreciate your time this evening. Absolutely, guys. It's uh, always fun to be back on the show talking talking UCF with you guys. No doubt. In fact, uh, we have uh, – it's kind of sad to lose you guys in the conference. You know, you're going on to the Big 12, and um, so this I'm is – I'm sure guess, they do not feel that way. <laughs> well, hey, they maybe one day they'll take us uh, there. But anyway, the whole other show, as they say, Jason, they – this is the last time probably that UCF will ever play in Greenville, I would think, uh, coming up tomorrow night. Yeah, I would I would think so, too. I mean, uh, I'd be pretty surprised. I mean, I don't know. No disrespect to ECU, but I just don't see them. I don't see – I think it's just more about UCF wanting to play different non-conference opponents. I mean, unless there's some sort of special relationship, you know, between the coaches or whatever, and they like playing each other, but – uh, same goes for football. I don't see them playing again in Greenville ever again. <laughs> yeah, in, in basketball, you know, obviously now, I mean, you got a, a lot of options in football in the state of Florida, but um, in, in basketball, as many options as you have uh, regionally, you know, it, it really doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of sense to, to play a non-conference game uh, that that far away I and mean, who knows we like you said depending on the relationships between johnny dawkins mike schwartz etc you, you may see it happen but uh, we, we shall see and the main thing is uh, for this program with the pirates being keep elevating and going up to levels that we haven't seen especially even the 93 season the last time the pirates went to the big dance 
they had lost like something like nine games in January. It was crazy with Eddie Payne back in the day. It's been literally, guys, 30 years, 30 years since we made it to the big dance. So uh, putting emphasis on basketball is something the Pirates need to do. Uh, Mike Swartz is getting it done. His staff has done a great job. And uh, where the players are playing really hard, Jason, I don't know if you had a chance to check them out. But, Matt, I know you have uh, being a, a former football player. But this this team is playing with a lot of toughness, mental toughness. You know, Jason, they had a period there. I think it was an 8 or 10-0 run on Saturday. Um, Bubba, can you help me out? I think it was something like that. Uh, ECU was – Started the second half. Started the second half. And all of a sudden, you know, you, the Pirates were looking good. They made a little bit of a run. Uh, Wichita State did at the end of the first half, and man, they come out of that locker room and they were—you could tell—they were fired up, ready to yeah, go. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll concentrate more on the UCF game. But when you yeah. go on the road and and you you start the second half off with the home team on an eight to ten zero run, it's hard to come back from that, and we did. And one thing that I've made a point of a few weeks ago, and I'll stand by this point: Joe Dilley was a hell of a recruiter and had a lot of talent. Mike Schwartz gets his teams to play as a team better than Joe Dooley did. And I'll, I'll stand by that statement, and it's not a knock on Dooley. We had more talent than Joe Dooley. Mike Schwartz's team plays as a team. They, they, they 100% feed off each other, play off each other. They're good teammates, and I think he preaches that concept of being a good teammate. What have you seen, Jason, so far? And then obviously we're going to talk about UCF, too. What I've seen about ECU so far? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I was – I haven't watched a whole lot, but I'll, I'll say that I was surprised to see, uh, you know, their overall record, you know, with 10 wins. I think – I don't think of ECU basketball as – you know, I, I wouldn't consider ECU a basketball school. I mean, you guys mentioned it. It's been so long since ECU's made the tournament. I mean, UCF also isn't necessarily a basketball school, but uh, I think it's always good when programs like that you know, begin to have success and, and especially for a new head coach, obviously. And um, it seems like he's off to right off on the right foot. He really is so far. I, I, um, I think he's done a nice job, Jason, with talking to the, the fan base. He has a tough job because he has to not only sell his team, which is pretty much new. Uh, there's six, only six guys back, but he also has to sell the, the pirates for his pirate nation to come out to the games. And I think they've done a nice job. And by the way, a shameless plug, but uh, tomorrow night's game, if you're watching live, is only $8 again. Uh, students aren't back yet, so only $8 to get in. They've done a nice job with the holidays with uh, several – I think this is the fourth game they've done that promotion and done a nice job. You can even sit in the lower bowl where the student sits for 8 bucks. You can't beat that um, on a Wednesday night, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. Let's talk about basketball with you guys, with UCF. Um, how are how are they looking with Johnny Dawkins Club? I know he always has good teams, does a great job recruiting. And how can you not recruit when you have Mickey and uh, Sunshine there in Florida? Yeah, and and they got one of the better recruits in the entire country last year, and Taylor Hendricks, a four star power forward out of uh, out of the area, Calvary Christian, uh, and he's he's you know everything they thought and more. I mean, Taylor Hendricks is. Uh, beginning to get some NBA draft buzz. I mean, that that's how legit he has become for them. And he's still just so young and so raw. Um, you know, I think they were under the impression that he wouldn't be in college long. And now it seems like there's a real shot that he could be UCF's first one and done. I mean, depending on how the rest of the season goes, of course. But 
he definitely has that NBA potential, no doubt. Um, and, and that was a big splash for Dawkins. And, and I think obviously now that they're going to the Big 12 Conference, you know, I, I, Power Five, I consider a football term, right? But I think when you look at the reputation of a university and the branding of an athletics department, Power Five inevitably impacts all of athletics, right? Uh, even though you have schools like Gonzaga and, and other schools that are in random conferences that can go year in, year out, making deep runs in the tournament. Nonetheless, it impacts, you know, recruiting, right? The power five terms. So, you know, going to the big 12, uh, it's one of the best basketball conferences and arguably the best conference as of late, you know, back-to-back national championships, obviously, and the historic programs like Kansas and whatnot. Um, and that's impacted recruiting as well. I mean, they, they're having conversations and going after kids that maybe wouldn't be interested in UCF in the, in the past. I think, um, you know, Johnny Dawkins has had success bringing in transfers. You kind of mentioned uh, before they, they've had so many new additions from the portal and Brandon Suggs being one of them, of course, but um, this, this season, I, it was so, uh, you know, kind of, I don't, I'm looking for the right word. I, I had no expectations for this team. I mean, I, I knew Taylor Hendricks was, talented i knew you look at who they added uh brandon suggs wasn't the only transfer they got uh you know from the american they got uh michael durr who spent a year uh, at, at indiana but he was originally at usf you know so they had a couple american transfers and um you know some quality transfers and i just didn't know what to make of it i mean when you have so much turnover you're losing guys like brandon mayhand and um you know darius perry and 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 check Bake jong who who you know, just such experience on the court to have so many new transfers. You don't really know what to expect. And I think this season where they are right now, you mentioned before how the, some of these games, they've only lost by 12 or 13 points, the four games combined. Um, I think this season's going a lot better than maybe Johnny Dawkins even expected himself. Yeah. The Knights have had a pretty challenging non-conference slate against the likes of Mizzou, Florida state, Miami, to name a few. And, uh, the Pirates, some Pirate fans that you'll recall, um, played against uh, South Carolina here a few weeks back um, prior to Christmas. Um, G.G. Jackson, very talented South Carolina freshman uh, who may potentially be a one-and-done. So uh, he was 6'8 or 6'9, or is 6'8 or 6'9. And then now you have Taylor Hendricks, 6'9, who's shooting what a like 40 or 41% clip and averaged like 14 Matt with the uh, or Bubba with the uh, China Grove internet there. Um, it's a, I, Greg says AOL. He still has <laughs> AOL. Yeah, I uh, he, he was obviously talking about the talent on your uh, on your basketball team and uh, some some of the key pieces that you had touched on. Um, what would you say is the biggest strength of of your basketball team? Uh, are you guys? I haven't watched UCF play. You've had a very challenging schedule, like Bubba's mentioned. Are you guys? Are you a hot shooting team? Are you a defensive-minded team? Do you, do you get the? How are you on the boards? What are the strengths and weaknesses of your team? Well, uh, you know, if you've watched UCF basketball in the past under Johnny Dawkins, defense is is the DNA of a Johnny Dawkins-led group, regardless of who's on the roster, and, and that hasn't changed this season. They've only given up seventy or more points three times in, in uh, you know fifteen or sixteen games. How many they've played? Uh, so defense, I mean. One of their losses, they lost in double overtime. They gave up 98 points. And after that game, they said, we had to figure this defensive thing out. And then the next four or five games, they 
gave up 65 points or less. I mean, th- this is a defensive led team. Uh, you know, they have some shooters, they have some guys who can score in the paint and whatnot. I think they're pretty balanced on offense. That's the biggest difference, you know, compared to the last few years where it was maybe one or two guys. And I understand Taylor Hendricks is, uh, you know, a, a potential star and is becoming a star quickly, but really this team has like eight, you know, not maybe not eight guys, but uh, three or four guys that are going to, you know, score in double digits night in, night out. Um, and they have a core group of seven or eight guys that are, you know, you're not really reliant on one or two guys. You, you know that you can get points from a number of players and, and you don't need a lot of points. I mean, this game tomorrow night, I know last year's games, uh, at least at ECU is, you know, in the eighties and overtime. And, and then the game in Orlando was, you know, in the sixties as well. I would expect tomorrow night's game to go in the sixties as well, just because UCF's defense is that good. Yeah, so is ours. Um, so uh, I expect a low-scoring game. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, um, and, and that's just the nitty-gritty defense that Johnny Dawkins' teams are known for uh, when they're playing at their best. Yeah, <clears throat> over the weekend, uh, the Knights uh, lost a very competitive game at number three, Houston. I believe it was 75-69. And uh, in, in, um, as – we may have mentioned earlier, um, Pirates lost, um, not the last time out, when we, we defeated Wichita State, but the last time in Menjis, we lost a heartbreaker 59-57 to the Temple Owls, in which we struggled from the free throw line as well as the floor, but our defense kept us in it and gave us a chance. But uh, one of the things that Mike Schwartz, when he met with the media uh, earlier today, um, talking about this game, he was just stressing how good UCF's guard play is. Uh, obviously talked about Hendricks as well, but talk about Horton and Kelly and what they bring to the table because they're providing um, about 11 points every time out. Yeah, Horton is really interesting. Um, you know, he had transferred, you know, before he came to UCF and um, he had some off-court problems. I mean, I didn't really know. I mean, when, you, when you're going to the portal, you have an idea of, of, of what you're getting, but you don't really know how it's going to translate in your system and whatnot. And I've been impressed with Horton. I mean, um, you know, he, he can shoot well. He, he, you know, plays good defense. Obviously a lot of these guys are all going to play uh, really solid defense. He's got 16 steals on the year. I'm looking at it right now. Um, you know, and I just think for him, I think what he really needed was a coach like Johnny Dawkins. That's going to keep him uh, in one place at, at, at the time. Um and who was the other name you asked about? There's so many transfers. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like when I was learning this roster, the first few games, I was just trying to uh, – no faces. I mean, there's just so yeah, many new, I, new I know the feeling at Greenville. Yeah, I, I just asked about Ethiel Horton and then uh, C.J. Kelly. But oh, you know, right, since, you right. mentioned, since, you, since you mentioned other names, um, obviously Brandon Suggs and Dave mentioned Brandon earlier. Um, had a solid career as a Pirate. And this year, I think he's played in all 14 games for the Knights, and he has started five. I think the majority of those starts, if not all of the starts, came early on. And uh, here lately, he's been coming off the bench, and his minutes have kind of dwindled. Um, what have you guys seen out of Suggs? Yeah, I think, um, you know, earlier this season, um, you know, UCF's main point guard, uh, Darius Johnson, 
he he suffered an ankle injury, and I kind of thought, man, I'm not. I know Brandon Suggs isn't necessarily a point guard per se, but I thought maybe he'd be seeing more time and whatnot. Um, and and really, they had a couple different guys that kind of took it on by committee. Now that Darius Johnson's back, I mean, he's really their main guard. Um, and Suggs has 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 played well. I think um, I don't remember what game he. Just looking at his numbers right here, I don't remember. He had one game I remember that. You know, that first game he scored 16, the season opener, and, and you thought maybe there was something there. And he really didn't have as much consistency as you maybe would have liked. But the last few games, I mean, seven points against Missouri, nine against Stetson. Uh, he had a solid game against Wichita State. I just think, you know, you, you mentioned C.J. Kelly before. You know, him and, and Suggs and um, Horton, they're really just experienced players that have been playing college basketball for multiple years now. I was really impressed with C.J. Kelly's maturity. I think he is more of an underrated transfer that they brought in. I mean, you talk about the guys with the connections to the American Athletic Conference, and we talked about Taylor Hendricks and his star power. And, and C.J. Kelly is a guy, uh, you know, maybe underrated almost as a transfer. And, um, you know, he's just really provided some uh, offensive power when they need it. He's definitely a, a bit of a sharp shooter himself. Um, but all these guys are really experienced, and I think that was – something where you look at the transfers and, and you understand why Johnny Dawkins added each of them. Obviously, Brandon Suggs has that experience starting multiple years at ECU and um, understands what it takes to win the American Athletic Conference. Yeah, yeah, fact. and I think – oh, sorry, Dave. I was going to say, I think that's one of the reasons why when you look at this game tomorrow, I expect a really hard-fought, tough battle because, you know, if I'm an ECU player and I have Suggs coming in – you know, that that's that's I want to make a strong impression. I want to go at him extra hard tomorrow night. And I mean extra hard. Um, so he's gonna get my best shot. I'm not gonna give him anything easy. Um, so that's one of the reasons I expect a very, very uh, you know, hotly contested game. And um, uh, I think it's gonna be, I do agree, I think it's gonna be on the lower scoring end, you know, in the sixties. But um, I am really fascinated, guys, to see whoever's guarding Suggs, what that matchup looks like and any intensity they bring to that. If, if, if I'm Johnny Dawkins, I keep Suggs on the bench tomorrow night. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even put that out there. Uh, so that's how I handle it. If I'm coaching. Well, and Brent, um, another thing, Jason is when Brandon Suggs got hurt a year ago in January for us, um, our season, it took a big toll on our season. We lost, I forgot how many in a row. Um, but we, he was a key cog of our team and, um, he has, he is streaky, but he has a lot of upside to him. And, um, I like the kid. I think, um, it's disappointing to not see him in the purple and gold. Um, I'm happy for him personally, but, um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out tomorrow night. Definitely a huge storyline coming in. How does he react? Uh, does he have where he's playing out of his mind? Does he have where it's a distraction? where, you know, I was playing with these guys, some of these guys last year, six of them last year, and now I find myself in a place I know very well, and now it's not the home game anymore. Yeah, I think, you know, we didn't have a chance to talk with him today after practice. We requested him, and uh, he slipped out, you know, before he could get in front of the microphone. But, uh, I, you know, we, we asked Johnny Dawkins about this, and he said, I'm sure it's going to be awkward. And, and, and Johnny – you know, obviously he didn't share his game plan, whether or not he's going to play Brandon Suggs 48 minutes or, or, or 40 minutes or whatever. Um, I don't think he's going to play it. You know, he's not going to not play, right? Obviously he's an important piece to UCF as well. And, uh, 
but Johnny made a really good point, and 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 I think it's true that this is I get kind of have to handle it. You're not going to make it about Brandon Suggs. You're going to make it about UCF versus ECU, and you're going to look at the bigger picture of the game and, and really focus on how the game plays out. I'm sure, you know, I, I don't know exactly how ECU fans reacted when Suggs decided to leave, and then reacted again when Suggs decided to stay in the conference. Uh, it's definitely a twist, but I think Johnny also reminded us that, you know, this isn't he's not the first guy to ever do this. Um, it, the portal's been around for multiple years now. I think it's uh, definitely a little strange. It's not to say it's not odd. It's not to say you can't be upset if you're an ECU fan. But, um, you know, we were talking with some of the other players, and uh, Horton was one of them. He said basically, you know, I don't know how much roster turnover ECU had, but basically it sounds like ECU has a good amount of players from last season that Suggs knew about. You know, so that when they were going through the scouting report and practice and whatnot, Suggs kind of had insight on almost every player is what some of the players told us today. So, um, you know, that's not to say players can't improve from year to year. And and obviously UCU as a new coach and, you know, there's different schematics to it and, and calling plays and whatnot and goals of a team. But um, obviously Brandon Suggs is familiar with ECU and, and playing in that arena and whatnot. And, um, you know, UCF's won, I think, 14 straight against the Pirates. I'm sure they're going to want to end that streak with Brandon Suggs on the opposite team. So um, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see the reaction from fans. I mean, for me, being from South Florida, obviously this isn't LeBron James going back to Cleveland, but that's what I think about, you know, when he went back to Cleveland for the first time when he was the Miami Heat and kind of the hate they have. I don't think they hate him as much as <laughs> Cleveland no. hate LeBron, obviously, but just when you think about moments of players going back to you know, where they came from, you can definitely get some mixed reaction for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, switching gears, unless somebody has something else they want to bring up about basketball, um, the uh, the military bowl against the Duke Blue Devils for the night, uh, obviously not a good performance for UCF in the bowl game. Yeah, you know, I didn't know exactly how the bowl game would go down. Obviously, Duke's a, football, a good football team. They were a game away from reaching the ACC title game. And, um, you know, the, the turnaround – under Mike Elko, obviously ACC coach of the year. They have a pretty good quarterback. And, um, you know, UCF had some players who entered the portal, Ryan O'Keefe being one of them, uh, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, Devontae Brown. So they had some key losses. And then, uh, you know, right before the game, you know, in the weeks leading up to the game, Chip Lindsey becomes the offensive coordinator at UNC. Uh, the call plays there, something he didn't do at UCF. So it was a decision that made sense for him. And Travis Williams became the defensive coordinator at Arkansas. So, you know, to lose both your coordinators, they promoted Addison Williams. Uh, they're closing in on hiring an offensive coordinator. But to lose both your coordinators and, and multiple players to the portal uh, before a bowl game, I think, is tough for anyone. But I was really curious to see how John Rice Plumbing would play, you know, a few weeks after the American Athletic Conference championship game. And he had been dealing with a hamstring injury down the stretch of the season that limited him and what he could do. And I, I think UCF's biggest problem against Duke was they just couldn't really get going offensively. And um, you know, defensively, um, you know, the, the defense was, it started out slow, but it got better as the game went on. It played, they played well in the second half for sure. And they had some opportunity, but just couldn't capitalize on that. And, and Duke's a really good football team. I don't think people think about Duke as a football school, obviously, uh, but they had a really special season. And, um, you know, I, I think it was a good bowl game for sure. Jason, talk to me a little bit about Plumlee. You know, when I watch him, you can see flashes. The way I guess the way I would describe him is you can see some flashes where the athletic ability really kind of pops and he makes some dynamic plays. 
And then there are other times where you're kind of shaking your head and you're like, man, I, I don't know. I, what is the feeling on Plumley around the program? Is he the guy, you know, is he sort of the, 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 the quarterback of the future there or there's still uh, decisions left to be made on that? Well, I'll, I'll start off by saying I think you perfectly described how the season went for UCF and John Rice Plumley. Obviously, it, it sucks that he dealt with a hamstring injury um down the stretch of the season i think there were definitely flashes uh, of greatness and, and elite athleticism but then also he wasn't the best decision maker um at times he held on to the football too long and that led to him you know getting hit over and over and over again and you know he mentioned before he dealt with a concussion and whatnot um you know with, with john rice Plumley, i think um you know he announced that he's coming back to play football the interesting thing is he wants to play baseball he played baseball and football at Old Miss, and and uh, he, he wasn't able to get a waiver in time to play baseball last season, so he went through spring football last year for the first time in his college career. And it's going to be interesting to see his plan this year, how, how he's going to juggle playing baseball and not losing his starting quarterback job. I mean, UCF has Thomas Castellanos, who, who they signed out of Georgia last year. He played, uh, you know, a multiple games this season as a freshman, mostly in reserve, obviously. Um, and, and they have Timmy McLean, a transfer from USF, who had to sit out the year after transferring late in August. They signed a quarterback out of South Florida from Cardinal Gibbons and Dylan Rizik. I think if you look at this quarterback room as a whole, I wouldn't necessarily say they have a quarterback room that's ready for the Big 12. That's not to say John Rice family can't be that guy and can't develop into that guy, but you wonder – uh, you know, how can he do that if he's playing baseball? And he claims he can, he'll be able to figure out a plan and whatnot. And, and, and I'll be interested to see how that plays out. But it's certainly a question uh, when you want to develop him and, and ha- be ready for the Big 12. So, you know, I, I haven't necessarily heard that they're going to go after a quarterback in the portal. I mean, it's kind of late in the process to do that. The spring semester starts at UCF, uh, you know, next week. So the time is running out if they want to add someone. But I think John Rice Pumley is their guy. And, and at times, he does, definitely does show what makes him special. Uh, I think he's a perfect quarterback for Gus Malzahn's system, which is run first. It's not a pass-first option uh, offense. But, um, you know, at, at times, like you said, there were moments of greatness. And then, as you guys saw when they played against ECU, uh, the turnovers and some of the decisions he would make were just head-scratching. And then that kind of summarizes how the season went. <laughs> Jason, let's talk about Coach Malzahn. Uh, I know when we first had you on, it was back in the time in the heydays of like 25 in a row. I think three years ago was the first time you came on. How are the fans? We, of course, I like uh, Coach Malzahn, so I'm not, it's not a big on him at all. But how about the fans there? Are you guys patient because you guys had such a high bar a few years ago? And I'm not saying you have a bad season by any stretch of the imagination, but um, are the fans saying, hey, man, we should be winning 10, 11, 12 games and we're not quite there. I think there are definitely some fans that say that, and those fans probably didn't become fans until the 2017 season. <laughs> um, I think the average UCF fan, I mean, it's it, this season specifically was so interesting. I mean, you reach the conference championship game, um, you win nine games, but you're still not happy. I mean, this season was completely about what ifs and the, and the, possi- the possibilities. I mean, if they hadn't lost the ECU, they probably would have hosted game day. If they hadn't lost the Navy, they probably would have hosted the American Championship. If they host the AAC title game, you know, at the bounce house, like they've done in the past, you know, 
odds are they probably win that game and go to the Cotton Bowl, and who knows how the season goes down. Um, and I think it was one of the most disappointed nine-win seasons that you could possibly have because of all the potential, uh, you know, other options of how the season could have gone. And and for UCF, I think um, obviously returning to the title game, getting two top twenty-five wins, something they hadn't done in multiple years, that was an improvement. Obviously, anytime you reach the title game. Um, and you have in a few years. I mean, this is the first time they were back in the championship game since 2018. Um, obviously, they wanted to win that game, but, um, you know, Tulane, the way we saw them play against USC the other day, Tulane's a really good football team, all right? So um, I, I think for, for Gus Malzahn, he obviously coached in the SEC and, and was at Auburn, and that is a job. You see how it's played out now for his, for his successor and and – uh, you know, what's going to happen with Hugh Freeze remains to be seen, but it's obviously a really tough job. And you wonder about the stability and why you'd want to coach at Auburn. Um, and Gus Malzahn is really enjoying his time at UCF and living in Orlando, living uh, in Florida and, and where things are more relaxed. But at the same time, there are expectations. I mean, I'm not saying he's on a hot seat. His seat's not even warm. But when you go into the Big 12 Conference, uh, you wonder, you know, do the goals kind of reset? I don't think UCF is expected to compete for a big 12 championship in year one. Uh, but maybe year three, year four, year five, once the recruiting uh, is underway at the power five level, you start to question, um, you know, the future of the program and whatnot. But right now, as it stands, I think fans are mostly happy with Malzahn, um and what they were able to accomplish this season. I mean, I think there were a lot of, um, you know, ups and downs, obviously. And it was just a, disappointing but somewhat successful season for UCF and uh, it's really hard to go undefeated for sure well at the end of the day you win your division you go to a bowl game you know you you, you mentioned ifs and buzz and fruits and nuts I mean same can be said for East Carolina had we not lost the Navy had we had we uh had we not lost to Cincinnati and we shouldn't have lost either one of those games we could have been playing Tulane for the conference championship so I mean there's a lot of teams that can say that uh, I think the difference is you know a, a lot of it's how you close your season I think had y'all closed it out with a bowl win um, got the 10 wins. Uh, you guys probably feel better about things, but nine wins plan for conference championships, nothing to sneeze at. And fans that think that that's underachieving or not good enough are probably slightly delusional. Right. Right. And, and look, you mentioned it's how you close your season. UCF lost three of their last four. Their only win came against USF and that was 46, 39 game. Yeah. It's a one win team. So from that perspective, you can say, you know, things are falling apart. But obviously when you look at the larger picture of a nine win season of a conference championship bid of a bowl game against the power five team, a really good power five team. I think the average fan is happy with how the season went, but there's definitely some that are disappointed. And like I said before, those people probably have only been fans for, you know, since 2017. Yeah. And Jason, that that's the thing, like Kyle said, uh, we were, he and I were having this conversation earlier today, uh, had, Fans I know that graduates who were talking about we should have been in the regular season beat East Carolina 10 and 2 because we had the Navy game slipped away, Cincinnati. We also had the uh, guys and we even had the uh, the NC State game. Uh, special teams was a huge, uh, we're not trying to beat a dead horse, but special teams for East Carolina was uh, definitely Achilles heel of the team and uh, something that if they want to be, I hate to say that next level, but if they want to have double digit wins, then you can't have uh, two games decide were decided by uh, a field goal or less, right, Kyle? Well, you got to you, you can have those, but you got to make them. You got to make the field goal. Special teams were charges this year. 
and that'll be addressed in the off season. And, uh, it's gotta be, but, uh, anyway. Yeah. So that's and one uh, final thing I have for you because you've been generous. I'm looking up here, been with us over 30 minutes. Uh, let's talk about Holt Naylor's got invited to the hula bowl. And you and I were talking about that and the other guy and the guys too. It's like, I was going as a kid, I remember the hula bowl being and wait for it, Hawaii. And then like, I see that and people are asking me and I said at lunchtime today, I said, I believe that's the hula bowl that I grew up with, but they've moved it apparently to Orlando. And thankfully for you being in Orlando, you like said I was right. So it made me feel good that I was right about at least one thing tonight, Kyle. Yeah, they, they don't have a stadium in Florida and uh, excuse me in Hawaii anymore. Yeah, it's a interesting move. I mean, I don't know what the future of the hula bowl looks like in the future of a little hot stadium, but I think, uh, it's a win-win for both parties. UCF makes some money out of it. And the fans get to go to the stadium at a time where they usually wouldn't. And then from the Hula Bowl's perspective, I mean, you guys know, obviously, Hawaii is far away. And I think it needed some more juice. I mean, it's not the Senior Bowl. It's not the Shrine Bowl. But I, it's competing with some of these other all-star games that are, you know, maybe that third best option is the Hula Bowl where you get a bunch of NFL scouts. And, and then players are more likely to more easily travel to Orlando. I mean, is Holt Naylor going to go to Hawaii? I'm not so sure. But to go to Orlando, it's easy for him to get down there and, and play again and uh, play at a stadium that he's played multiple times at. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, especially with, um, you know, a lot of people will be talking about that in the second part of our show about players that are going to the NFL, whether they graduated or they're skipping what would be a, technically, I guess, a fourth year. It's not the senior season for Keith Mitchell, but – Holt Nailers, I know, wants to do very well in the Hula Bowl and obviously the NFL Combine Pro Day here in East Carolina. But uh, those kinds of things to make it to the next level, it's going to be – it's not easy to make the NFL, but the guys that are leaving our team have have a shot uh, for sure. And at least they can say – most guys can't say that, that they have a shot. So uh, I know you guys uh, have that as well. Jason, do you have anything uh, before we go? I wanted to make sure people get read your work in the Orlando Sentinel too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my Twitter's on screen. You guys can follow me if you're still interested in talking UCF sports. I know UCF hosts ECU in March as well, so maybe I'll come back on the show in March uh, for basketball again. But uh, yeah, OrlandoSentinel.com is where you can keep track of things and uh, follow UCF sports. All right, appreciate it. hope you have a great year, my friend. Early January now, basketball season. And uh, good luck to you, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Have a good night. Sure thing. Thank you. All right, appreciate Jason very much uh, from the Orlando Sentinel. It should be a great game tomorrow night. And I know, Matt, uh, we were talking about Brandon Suggs. I know you had another point before we move on. we got some other things we wanted to talk about. But Brandon coming back, not a homecoming, but coming back to the place he played for, I believe it was three seasons, Bubba, off the top of my head. I think it was three seasons that he played. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Well. Well, I'll tell you, Dave, I, uh, you know, again, this is the old-fashioned competitor coming out in me. I, I feel it. I feel it. I'll tell you right now, guys, this is – I'm not giving Brandon, Brandon Suggs any welcome uh, into Minji's tomorrow night. Um, as a matter of fact, if, you know, I'm a, I am was a basketball player. I coach AAU basketball. And, you do a good job of that, too. <laughs> thank you. I mean, my mindset would be I'm putting my best defender on him when he's in the game, and I want to make his life miserable. And um i'm not giving him anything easy and you know uh as a player on this pirate team um you know i i i would want that matchup okay 
I would want to go against a guy that was my teammate and is now in Orlando and decided to transfer to a conference foe. Um, so I, I might even consider a hard foul or two. I mean, nothing dirty, guys, but, you know, I, I, I don't want him coming back into, you know, this house and, and having a great game. So um, that's just my thoughts on it as an old-school competitor, and, you know, I, I hope the guys feel the same about it. Yeah, and also the fact that, uh, the, you know, what's bad is we don't have – I wish we could get a lot of students here tomorrow night, guys. But I'll say this for people, they're former alums, uh, you have fans. I know Kyle, there are a lot of us that we love it and put us around that lower bowl tomorrow night, $8. Go out there and support the Pirates. And I tell you what, every time Brandon Suggs touches the ball, oh my gosh, you should go nuts. Like just, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I'm, I'm kind of disagreeing. I, I don't, I don't want to make a Brandon Suggs. This is how you beat Brandon Suggs, win the fucking game. Screw Brandon Suggs. I don't give two craps about Brandon Suggs. Win the ball game. That, that's how you beat Brandon Suggs. I know that, but still, you're right, uh, Matt, because he can come in because he's comfortable in that gym. You don't want to well, make if, So what if he scores 30 and we win? Who cares? I realize that. Ultimately, that's the ultimate thing. But he can, if he gets 30, that's a good chance that they will win. That's what sure. we don't want. Uh, if, 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 I was, if I was Johnny Dawkins, I would play him bare, the bare minimum. That's how I would handle it. Um, but I don't know how he's going to handle it. And I agree with Matt in terms of a competitive standpoint. Um, you know, the players need to be on his ass, whoever's defending him. But at the same time, I don't think we need to make it about him. I think we need to make it about East Carolina beating UCF. Yeah, no doubt. And he's not, you know, he's not a dynamic player in terms of, you know, he's not a guy that's going to come in here and drop 30. You know, that's just not his game. He's a solid glue player, in my opinion. Um, he's, he's a solid glue piece where he can give you some points. He's going to play defense, make some good passes, but, uh, definitely not make it about him. I'm saying from a, as if, if, if it was my teammate who transferred to an in-conference school, I want the assignment to guard him and I'm going at him hard. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, I don't, I agree with that. Think about it. It's a lot of storylines here. They're going to the big 12, which, I mean, I don't blame them for that. They're going to the Big 12. This is the last chance we'll probably play them in Greenville. You got Brandon Suggs coming in. Um, You have a chance to – I think uh, one of the things I've been very impressed with, Coach Schwartz, is the – I want to talk to you guys about – I know we got some other topics, but I want to talk to you guys about them. What I've been excited about this team is the mental toughness that this team has, the physicality, the mental toughness. Obviously, the defense speaks for itself, but the mental toughness this team has is amazing. I haven't seen – mental toughness in a long time for a pirate basketball team. That's what I go back to about the plan as a team. I really believe that's maybe Schwartz's best strength is these guys seem to play together as a team. They feed off each other and, you know, they, they, they buy into his concept of playing hard defense. Um, I really believe, I, I think Dooley was a better, I think Dooley was incredible at getting talent, but I, I don't really, I think Dooley's team's kind of underachieved a lot because there was too much individuality and I'm not, I'm not, being critical of Joe Dooley, I'm just kind of stating what I'm seeing. I, I really believe that Schwartz has his team playing. He sounds stupid, but as a team, no, it's not. You're, you're exactly right. And uh, Matt, with the like we were talking about on the road, and you get down ten, and they had a little bit of a run right before the end of the first half. I was listening to Jeff Charles and Mike Perry do a great job on the. I love listening to ball games on the radio. I'm just a radio nerd, but to hear them describe it, and then all of a sudden. You felt even the announcers, their voices, like, uh-oh, and they talked about that. Here we go. You know, they didn't say it like that. 
But with that run, you could tell by how much Coach Perry and Jeff Charles love the Pirates. And it was hard for them to stomach that run. But the great thing about this, they just like they talked about on the radio, you chip away that lead, which is exactly right. Chip away the lead. And that's what they did. They didn't fall apart. They didn't lose composure. They didn't do stupid fouls, flagrant fouls, get kicked out of the games, things that could have really unraveled, you know, quickly. Well, all of a sudden a 10 point game becomes a 20 point game because they lose their, their focus. So the mental toughness was huge for me on, on Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And like that, that is, I, I'll tell you, I've been really pleasantly surprised with this team. I agree with Kyle and coach Schwartz. I think he's doing a really nice job. And, you know, to, to your point, Dave, I mean, you, there have been quite a few times this year where this team, you know, where they took a, they took a big run from the opponent and they were able to stay composed and then, and then battle back and make a run of their own. And I think that's a really, you have to be able to do that, you know, to, to compete at this level, you have to be able to take those runs and then make a run. And, you know, I, I do like the, the mental focus of this team. You know, I really do. I think they compete. Um, I really like that about them. And, you know, I, I, I think that this team will, their success will be determined by, by two things. Cause I, cause I do think that, Coach Schwartz will keep them very competitive on the defensive end. I think it's going to come down to free throws. Free, free, exactly. Yes. Well, free throws, I think, is a big one. It has to improve in that area. Um, and I think it will. You know, I think it will as the season goes on. But also, uh, three point field goal percentage, I think, is going to be a big one for this team because, you know, you see when they have games where they're knocking down threes, guys, you know, they're a very effective team. But it's those nights where, Right. You know, when they go cold is when they struggle. But, uh, but yeah, very pleasantly surprised. And um, I, I hope they're able to have a, a, a solid shooting night tomorrow night, you know, against UCF. The crazy yeah. thing about it is, you know, we could be 2-0 and right now. The, really, the ultimate goal, and, and some people may disagree, seven wins in conference would be the most we've ever had in the American, I believe. So, I mean, the bar is really low. We already got one. Yeah, we we got six more to go. Yeah. And at the conference with Bubba with 18 conference games, uh, it's possible that, I mean, you don't even look. I mean, you don't even have to win half your conference games and you have the most wins ever in the American. Yeah, and Craig makes a good point here um, saying that he likes seeing multiple players being able to drive the ball to the basket and um, take it strong to the hoop, uh, no doubt. And that's something I'd said that uh, – they're giving me a six eight or six nine guy like a Brandon Johnson or Ezra Asar, um, who who's versatile. You can you can step out, and knock down a three uh, in Brandon's case, and then also take it to the basket. Ezra, uh, still developing that uh, that in his game. Uh, he's more just take it to the basket now, um, and will will hurt you from you know, eight to ten feet in, but. Uh, yeah, it's a, pretty amazing the way he's been able to take the ball to the basket success, successfully, uh, you know, despite the fact that uh, he has not really exhibited much of a mid-range jump shot. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how that uh, goes as the season progresses. But as far as free throws, um, the Pirates knocked down 19 out of 22 on Saturday, which was uh, obviously big with them picking up a 10-point road win at Wichita State. And, also, you guys talk about the mental toughness and such a young ball club handling that uh, run from Wichita State there early in the second half. The Pirates have played a tremendous first half, 
lead at the break, had just committed two turnovers in the first half, but then in the first six minutes of the second half, commit four or five turnovers. Right. Um, you had the Shockers go on a 14-2 run, so you went from you went from uh, up four to, to down eight. At I guess it was 49-41, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was impressive to see because in the past, I mean, that would have been when a lot of teams would have um, been buried. But uh, this team not only came back and uh, and then they came back and won the game by ten. So and guys, very, very impressive to see um, the the resiliency of such a young young ball club. Sorry, Bob. I think it was a little bit of lag. But um, for me, another thing that I want to mention to you guys that Coach Perry being on the broadcast, just like Cy, Coach is so great. And guys, I don't know if you knew this, but they were talking how um, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, uh, that. The Wichita State Shockers, the team in the shoot-around, was making fun of our team. Uh, I don't know if it was trash-talking. They didn't go, like, say, like in great detail. But they were talking about how our team, like, didn't take the bait, so to speak. They really stayed focused. And, you know, hey, if you don't take uh, – I think it's going to come a point when everyone will say, hey, East Carolina is not an easy out of basketball anymore, and you better – um, I hate to use the cliche, but you better bring your A game. And if you don't, you're going to get embarrassed on your home floor, like Wichita State did on Saturday. Yeah, I think people might be saying it now. I don't. I don't think anybody expected this. I didn't to say this point in the season that we beat South Carolina, we beat Wichita, and two points away from beating Temple. Not to mention a win over Toledo. I mean, I don't. Nobody expected us to have. What, what do we have? Eleven wins now. No, nobody expected and us to have. Huh? It's ten, right? No, I think it's eleven after Wichita. I think we had ten against. Uh, no, against... We're, we're we're ten and five, one, one and one. Okay, I thought win number ten came against. Um, it would have been ten for Temple if we we, we were close. I thought, to I thought ten came against uh, uh, yeah, we're, High Point. We're, yeah, we're nine and four in the non-conference and one one and one in league play. Okay, well, ten wins on the list. Ten and five. I mean, I don't think anybody expected that. No, I'm I'm very. Uh, surprised to see it and happy to see it because uh, as a basketball fan, we want to see this program. In fact, uh, guys, uh, you mentioned this, Ezra Sar. oh my goodness, his up, he is not anywhere near his ceiling. No. And uh, Coach talks about this all the time on the post game, um, and he's right. Ezra's shooting, guys, get this, 39% from free throw land, okay? 39% from the line. Always um, makes the second one. Always makes yeah, the it's the weirdest thing. Okay, so you have that. The other thing that he's is he's being a freshman, he's foul prone. He's fouling out, fouling a lot, getting in foul trouble. That's what's hurting his minutes. So coach talks about that. He's talked about it numerous times. If you can limit the fouls and you can improve that free throw percentage, all of a sudden, because you think about that game on Saturday, keeping Ezra in is like a is such a liability. Because all you have to do to get back in the game is follow Ezra. He's going to make one out of two at best at the line, and you can come back in the game. So I'm a huge fan of Ezra, and I'm looking forward to seeing him mature. And one final thing about basketball, guys, and we'll move on, uh, for me is uh, I'm curious to see how this team is playing in March because just think about it. They only had six returning starters. 80% of the basketball, as we had Cy on in the summer, 80% of your offense is gone. And we were talk- Cy and I were talking about that the first basketball practice and look, look what they've done. We'll have him on again soon, 
but just really proud of the way this team has responded. And uh, I, I think the only games that really come to mind off the top of my head, we didn't play well as ODU and Wilmington. We, I think yeah. Bubba said we've only won, I think, four well, times. Well, South Carolina State was pretty awful. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, good point. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Um, that's our, our home loss. But those two road games, um, I wish we could have those back because I wish we could play them again. I think it would be. Well, I think ODU and South Carolina State both came down to we didn't have any legs. So that was coming off that tournament. Yep. Yeah. I agree with you guys. And I think the big thing with this with this team is just lean on your defense. Continue to get better defensively. Really lean on your defense. I think that's the the strength of this team right now. Um, but but going back to the Wichita game, guys, my final point, uh, really nice to see Winston Tabs on the floor. You know, everybody knows the story with the injury, and it's it's been kind of, you know, it's been slow coming along. But yeah. the thing with Tabs is if he can give you the perimeter shooting, if he, if he can knock down threes and get his – uh, three-point percentage north of 40%, um, mm-hmm. that would be a huge, huge bonus for this team, guys. Having a consistent perimeter shooter like him that you can just add to the lineup is a, is a big factor. So hopefully, you know, I think he took, you know, five or six threes in that game, knocked down two. Um, it's good to see him getting shots up. It's going to take him a while to get back in rhythm. So he needs mm-hmm. shots. So get him shots. Um you know, shot, I like shot, how shot. aggressive. Yeah, I like, shot, shot. I like how aggressive he was, though, uh, trying to pull the trigger. And you know, just need him to uh, continue to come along. He's one of the guys we need in March. That if we're going to make any kind of postseason run, he would be the guy like the NIT, for example. He's the kind of guy that we need to get. Even, high. even the CBI would be a huge success. No, no, no. I I, I totally agree. I'm just saying that um, any kind of that's why I say any kind of postseason. Uh, tournament past the conference tournament um, would be huge for us. And I think what it comes down to for us with those 10 wins, the biggest thing is now is that you can't, we have a reputation of having a pretty good non-conference season. And then we tank in January or maybe sometimes in February we have, we can't have those spurts again of where, what, what Bubba losing four in a row, six in a row um, conference games. And I know the competition in the American is steep, um, but I think now we've got a chance where we can, we can rattle off. It'd be nice to have the reverse where instead of uh, having four or six in a row, we were losing that we're winning four or six in a row in the conference. That would be, I know I'm asking a lot there, but it would be nice to see. Yeah. Obviously you don't want to have the four or five game losing strength in conference play. If you can avoid that, you, you could probably get to seven or eight wins, which would be right. give us a win in season and probably get us into some postseason play. And, uh, along with the conference tournament, but, uh, long ways to go up next to QCF and, a lot of football news out there, guys, with yeah. uh, the announcement of Steve Shankweiler's retirement, which we've known about kind of since the bowl game. And then, uh, unfortunately, um, Keaton Mitchell announcing, uh, unfortunate for the Pirates. Well, you know, I don't fight, fault Keaton. You only have so many carries as a running back. It's not like a receiver. Uh, Keaton opting to go to the NFL. Um, I think he'll get drafted because of his speed. Um, I, I don't think he'll go first couple rounds. I think he'll go late, but I do think he'll get drafted. I don't think you have a guy with that kind of speed. He'll show out in the combines. Um, I, I think he'll. I think. Uh, I don't think it was a bad decision for him personally to go to the league. I know there's some rumors out there about CJ Johnson. Um, if I was CJ, I would stay put. CJ's got a bit of a reputation of being a hothead. He needs to work on that more. That's going to help his NFL stock in getting drafted. Yep. They look at that kind of stuff. Um, also, I think CJ next year with a brand new quarterback, 
could would, really be a team leader and could it could have a standout year as being a team leader. So if I was CJ, whoever's giving him advice to go to the league, I think it's poor advice. I'd, I'd come back next year. Does he have the – and Kyle and I were talking about this um, this afternoon as we were getting ready for the show tonight. Matt, I wanted to bring you in on this and Bubba too. Um, don't you see, because Bubba's a former quarterback, you're a former defensive guy, Matt, I could see right now with Mason Garcia, give the guy a little bit of time. Uh, he can throw a deep ball. I think he's going to be amazing once he gets the confidence. But I can see CJ catching a lot of balls and a lot of like X plays, <laughs> those big <laughs> plays next year. And that's exactly what he needs is to have another year. And, and, and CJ needs to show that he can play with another quarterback that's not named Holton Aylers. That's true, too. Uh, very good point. Yeah, and I, and I think – the thing about Mason, guys, is that he's going to bring a different element to the offense. Like, the offense is not going to look like it did this year. It's going to look very different. So, right. I think it'll give – to your point, I think it's going to give CJ a chance to showcase different skills. Maybe catching more of the deep balls. Maybe catching more wide receiver screens. Showing he can block, you know, in the perimeter. So, I, I agree with you guys. I, I think he should come back. I really hope he does because I think he has elite hands. I really do. I think he has elite hands. I thought he did a great job. Yep. catching the ball this season in traffic and making big plays. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't know what the 40 is, you know, they, they're going to, that would be the one thing about CJ. Maybe if he gets into a combat combine is what is the 40, but the hands are there. The skills are there. Um, but I, I'd like to say right now. What's that? I'm sorry. I was just adding to what you were saying. I said, put it all together is what is missing for me. He has, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And we can say this talent, this talent, this talent, this talent. But it's putting it together and then knowing, guess what? They know, CJ, that you uh, that you have a thin skin and they're going to talk trash and they can get in your head. And they look but, and they interview you. They, they have in-depth interviews, psychologists and all that kind of crap at these NFL combines where they really try to figure out who you are as a person from what I've read. That's correct. They do all kinds of crazy questions. They throw everything at you because if you think about it, guys, it's a huge investment. So if I have C.J. Johnson and he's getting in trouble on the field, I'm not sure he would get in trouble off the field. I'm not saying that. But trouble meaning that 15-yard penalties. They're not going to put up that in the NFL long. And I I love C.J. I I have a soft spot for C.J. because I see a lot of B in C.J. And I I, I really – I really hope he comes back for another year. I think it would benefit him greatly to come back for another year. And I'm not just saying that for selfish reasons because I want to see him back in the purple and gold one more year. Uh, I really believe it would be a mistake for him to go to the league this year. I don't – he may get drafted, but I, I don't know. Um, whereas Keaton, I feel pretty good about him getting drafted. And like I said, as a running back, as we all know, your carries are limited. And Keaton is not a big guy. Right. I was going to say about um, a side note, a personal note real quick. Um, CJ Keaton and Holden Aylers, uh, when we were at Johnny Roberts and there was a few of us who went to the airport after the Temple win and CJ and Keaton and Holden made a beeline for my kids. And I know it's my kids, but I was just taking my hat off as a dad. Yeah. And how cool is that that they recognize those kids are there for them and they made over my kids more than they did the adults. And I just thought that was so cool because my kids now that kind of like put, put it even like, I don't know how to the right word, but like as far as fandom goes, um, my son and daughter were like, Keaton Mitchell, talk to me. 
Holt Naylor's, and they were talking about C.J. Johnson. We love them, and now we love them more. And so that just that said a lot that C.J.'s a good kid. I'm not anti-C.J., like you said. No. It's a matter of we know – here's the deal, guys. It's like when you leave college, we're all the friendlies here, okay? We're your local guys, the guys from Conley, um, the guys from Greenville. We're the local people that love you. When you go to the NFL, they don't love you. And so that's my thing. It's not that he doesn't have talent. Um, there's some other guys, too. I want to get your thoughts, guys, on uh, Noah Henderson from O-Line. I know that he's another one that's entered the draft. Uh, how do you guys – I know there's some rumblings I've heard of uh, potential NFL talent there. I want to get your perspective. Yeah, if you're if, – O-Linemen are interesting. If you're – it depends on the depth of the O-Line class this year. And I'm not an NFL guy, so I don't keep up with the draft. I don't know how many O-Linemen are coming out. But if you're a – if you're a talented O-lineman and, and you do well in the combine, um, you, you you will most likely get drafted, depending on, again, the depth of the O-line coming out this year. So uh, I can see Noah getting drafted. And part of the situation with Noah Henderson, and uh, this may have been what you were going to say, Matt. And I apologize if it is. Nah, no problem. Noah Henderson has battled injuries, and yeah. he, he was on the verge of you know being ruled uh, medically – and ineligible have uh, had a medical DQ, um, but he, Coach Shank even said it was surprising to him that he was able to continue. But he was obviously very excited and glad for both us and Noah that he was able to do so. Uh, so I think that's one of the big things with Noah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, kind of like we mentioned with Keaton, you know, you only get so many carries. Same thing when you when you have a back injury. Uh, it, it is the most debilitating bin, uh, injury in the world, guys. It really is. And <clears throat> it's, you know, credit to him for battling it out. And I, I think he was able to bounce back and have a, a really strong year. You know, when I watch him, I see him more as a, a, a as a guy who's a really good in pass protection. He can move his feet well for a big guy. I think he'd really have to improve his ability to run block and, and be kind of a you know, that road grader type guy you need to be in the NFL. and But definitely wishing him well. I think it's the right move for him. Yeah. Um, I, so we're, we're three for three tonight, guys. I agree with you on Keaton. Yeah. I agree on Noah and, and also CJ. But I but the only difference with CJ is I think another year in school would really be beneficial for him. But all the best to, to Noah. You got to give him credit. I mean, again, yeah. to be able to, to battle through those injuries shows a lot of character. So hopefully he can find a, a, a team. All right, and we'll get another. And we'll get another controversial one out of the way. Uh, Ryan Jones. He didn't play the bowl. I know that there were a lot of us that wanted him to play. Uh, it's his choice, but he's focused on the NFL. So I'm going to throw it out there. I'm not going to put my. Ryan's I, got a lot of talent. We we don't throw to the tight end a lot, and I think Calhoun's got a lot of talent too. And uh, he showed it in the bowl game. Um, I, I don't know what Ryan. You know, I heard Ryan was a bit of a locker room lawyer and uh, yep. became a bit of an issue towards the second half of the year. And uh, so um, that that kind of stuff's not going to apply in the league. Um, I, I don't know. I wish him I wish him good luck. He was part of the podcast last year, um, so I wish Ryan good luck. Uh, I don't I don't know that he put enough on tape this year to get drafted. Uh, he's going to have to show out in the combine. He's going he's, he's going to have to have some really good pro days combine. He's he's going to have to show out to get drafted. Um, talents there, yeah. But, I will say it was good to see um, both Xavier Smith and then also Ryan Jones um, you know, retweeting stuff on social media, you know, excited 
uh, for the program and, and their teammates, um, both before, before, during, and after the bowl game. That's no good. doubt. What about Xavier Smith? Another one. I'm glad you mentioned X Man. What do you think, Gus? Well, I, I, you know, I think the thing with Xavier Smith is I think he he needs to he needs to lose some weight. I, I think he'd be. Uh, I think his his playing weight needs to get down into two thirty, maybe two thirty five tops. I think. I think what happened with Xavier was he beefed up to play rush end last season. So he had to put on some weight. And then when he was moved back to middle linebacker, he lost some of that speed, some of that lateral quickness, which really showed up this year. He didn't have his best season, not knocking him, but I think the the additional weight hurt him pretty bad. So I think it would be in his best interest to really lose some weight, work on your speed, your lateral quickness, and um, you know maybe he can get an opportunity somewhere. Uh, out, out of all the guys that we mentioned, uh, you know, forgetting free agent contracts because those happen all the time, I would say uh, uh, Keaton has the best chance to get drafted. Do you guys agree? Oh, most definitely. Um, how about Miles um, Berry? You know, Miles a good player. <laughs> I don't know if he's a league player. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. I'm great kid, great character. Um, I don't know if he's an NFL player. Um, I don't know his, you know, his numbers, but uh, might might be tough, you know, to be in a, j- just because when you know you're talking about such an elite level, the best oh, linebackers yeah. in the world. Um, I, I USFL don't know. is a thing now, though. The USFL seems That's to have true. some legs, so yeah, along with Canada, so there's some opportunities out there. That was no my point of the, that was my point. The silver lining for these guys is I think there can be a lot of guys drafted, uh, meaning. Uh, not only NFL, but CFL, XFL. I mean, yeah, the USFL that's doing very when, well. When is The Rock going to relaunch the XFL? I it's, coming up, it's coming up next month, right? February? Is he really? This is this year? Change the name. Uh, XFL, to me, is so damaged. And it sounds, right. like, it sounds like 1999. Yeah, I think they had, you know, it's this is the third rendition of it. We'll see how it goes. I hope they do well. Um I hope they I really do. I thought they had a the sad thing is I thought they had a great um, start uh, the second time around and they and Vince pulled it too early. I think that's my gut feeling. But anyway, um, we have two more players to mention. Isaiah Winstead. Uh, are we allowed to talk about him? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Isaiah Winstead. Um, he, uh, you know, he he he's got great hands and and he gets. He, he catches anything you throw to him, and he gets open. He doesn't have breakaway speed. Um, that's his only weakness that I see. I think he could get drafted. I, if he doesn't get drafted, I think he'll make a roster as free agent. Great yeah, kid, I, great talent. I think he, yeah, he definitely unrestricted free agent. I mean, I like I said, these other leagues, um, he would be a star de- most definitely in uh, USL, USFL, XFL, one of those leagues, CFL. Um, and I think he has potential. I really do think he has potential to make the league, the Shield. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I think he's going to get drafted. I really do. I think his between his height and once people really start to, to take notice of the film, like I said this to him last week when he was on, I mean, he he has a knack for coming down with those 50-50 balls. Yeah. And it's not just the height. You know, the height is one thing, but he, he the, the great receivers who can come down with those 50-50 balls consistently – they know guys, how to time their jump. We have breaking news from Brad Williams. He's saying CJ has declared for the draft. I don't know if that's um, – that he put that up in the 
Uh, there, uh, can somebody confirm that? Go over to HTC or somewhere and confirm that. Not that we don't trust Brad, but just want to yeah. confirm that. Um, uh, if that's true, uh, good luck to you, CJ. By the way, uh, God Almighty, I hope see people temper temper expectations for next year. We're oh, yeah. going to have a whole new offense. I mean, if anybody thinks next year we're going to win eight, nine, ten games, uh, I, I'm 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 looking at hoping for six and six. And I know the conference schedule is going to be a lot easier, but I don't care year 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 five or whatever it is for Coach Houston. It, there is way too much um, turnover on offense to expect to to win eight, nine, ten games next year. Yeah, no doubt. And and if that, you know, thank first of all, thank you to Brad for. Uh, reporting that uh, certainly not surprised you know not, nothing really surprises me in, in 2020 well 2023 excuse me I, I need to get used to that but nothing really surprises me anymore guys and uh, definitely you know I, I figured with CJ there was there was a chance of either going to the draft or going into the portal so at least I'm happy he's declaring for the draft instead of going into the portal um you know similar with Keaton but you know, hey, w- again, if, if that is a true report, certainly wish him the best. Um, hopefully he can make it work. Yeah, we'll try to find on that. Bubba, I know, is good about um, – we'll find out about that. I'm not sure. Um, I have, I'm not seeing it anywhere so far, but I trust Brad. He's not uh, – I'm sure he has it right. But we'll uh, we'll get – we'll find out that – I don't know if there's anything on social media maybe that I haven't seen, but we'll keep looking at that. Um, but if you're just joining us, CJ Johnson, uh, we'll see that. How about that? Jaquan McMillan. All right. He's going to be on the roster now for the Broncos. I tell you what, Jaquan McMillan is one of the best corners we've had. And, um, that's, uh, I'm really happy to see that for sure. And, uh, but, uh, anyway, Lincoln probably might have to <laughs> count on him next year. I'm just, that's, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I still haven't set up my laptop that, uh, I got for Christmas, uh, so I, I got Kyle. I, I'm going to fly down there and set up that laptop for you. Man. I appreciate it. Come on, uh, come, come on, <laughs> come on, do it, Matt. But Kyle had the best Christmas ever. Like, forget Ralphie getting his red ride. Kyle got every gift, <laughs> and I'm happy for you, Kyle. I am. Well, you know what? I guess this job by, the, by the, your the, wife. The bad, the bad thing is, Matt, is, is she probably did it because I have cancer, so she. So she, she, you know, she, she felt like she needed to get me everything I wanted, but, uh, yeah, she went over, she went overboard with what she got me. But, uh, I, I was checking, I, I booted myself there cause I'm on my phone and sometimes it does that when I, I checked HTC and, yes, uh, dude. briefly checked Facebook and I don't see anything on CJ. Um, so have you guys been able to find anything to confirm that? I'm trying right now. Hang on. We text our sources. <laughs> sometimes. Check Twitter, check Twitter, CJ on Twitter. Bubba, you're the Twitter machine. Is, is Bubba with us, or is he uh, is he well, in uh, no service land? I, I don't know, but uh, in fact, uh, people are asking, well, Brad, where did you see this? Because we're we're asking. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not finding it. Um, yeah, and and you know what, guys? Maybe we shouldn't even uh, go down that road until we yeah, have something we to find out. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we obviously talk about Isaiah, but the last but not least. I saved the last one on purpose. Holton Aylers, does he get drafted? Uh, probably not. Um, I think his injuries are going to hurt him. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he, if he signs for agent contract and makes a roster. 
Um, I could see him being a superstar in something like the USFL. That's um, But uh, I hope he gets drafted. I, I hope he gets the opportunity to play in the league. Um, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. No, I think uh, I think what these leagues do is give a guy like Holt Naylor's, like you talked about. He's got to get shoulder surgery, so he has a hula bowl coming up on the 14th on that Saturday, um, and then a week from Saturday, and then he has uh, shoulder surgery. Is my understanding. I think somebody put that up on. Uh, yeah, Bubba put that up there on the board. Um, so that's going to be a, a key factor is how quickly um, do you guys know how I know everybody's different and if you can have complications, but how fast can you get ready from recover from a shoulder surgery? Depends on what the soldier sur- so, showed, shoulder surgery is. Right. I, yeah, I understand. Yeah. I'm just wondering how, like, I don't know. Like, I can't remember. Like a labrum, Dave, to like, like a, like a torn labrum or a partially torn labrum. They call that a, a slap repair, S-L-A-P. Um, that is, you know, that's something that's a, I wouldn't say a quick recovery, but, you know, you know, you're looking at a few months, something like a, like a torn rotator cuff or, a, or that's a major, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the, you know, what the specific injury is, but it can, it can definitely vary. I don't think he has a torn rot- rotator cuff or anything along those lines, though. All right. So for me personally, I agree with you guys. I think what it's going to come down to is how does he play in the hula game um, as far as uh, his uh, recovery from the shoulder surgery, the pro day, the uh, combine, uh, those kind of things. I think I think there's a spot for him in the league uh, for sure. But I, my, me personally, I would say right now um, it's tough to say. Like Keaton is an automatic yes. I, I think Isaiah, yes. I think Noah has a shot, um, but my question marks would definitely be CJ. Um, I think uh, uh, Xavier Smith question mark question mark on Miles. That's going to be tough. And then Holton, I think, can make a roster. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Holton personally and everything. I'm just the like you said, guys. The injuries is my only concern right now for him making the league right now. He could do a Doug Flutie. He could play for uh, USFL and then Steve Young. And come into the league. What do you think, guys? I mean, where people can see this guy can play because I believe in Holton. I think he's great. I think he can play. I think he's a lot better than, unfortunately, our fans uh, were so hard on him. Uh, harder. Yeah, than his him. numbers, his touchdown interception ratio yeah, this year was unbelievable. Yeah. No. No. How about that again, guys? No. Uh, we had no turnovers for seven straight games. I can't remember the last time that that happened. Yeah, it's uncanny. I think he what was it 12, 28 touchdowns, five interceptions. Something Man, like that. Yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. He's a kid I'll never count out. I mean, the work ethic, the character. Yeah. Um, you know, great teammate. Tremendous you know, character, which will also help him trying to get uh a spot in the league. Exactly. You know, exactly. That stuff, you know, <laughs> that stuff goes a long way. Like I think it would be honestly when you first brought up the question, Dave. First thing on my mind was, you know, I think he could be an incredible quarterback up in Canada, and then maybe you parlay that into getting an opportunity. You know, you put up some numbers there, and you have some success, and then you get an opportunity in the league. And but I'll, I'll never count him out, and I'll mm. defend that kid forever. You know, when people try to bash him, I'll, yeah, I'll defend yeah. him forever because. uh you know, the, the kid, the kid, he he's a fighter. He's a gamer. He's a pirate, and he always wanted to be a pirate, and he wanted nothing more than to be a pirate. So people that bashed him 
Um, I never understood it. It, it. it was completely absurd to me. It's like you know, it's like hating yourself. It's, it's to me. I always thought thought of myself if I was had the opportunity to play quarterback in East Carolina. That's Holton Ailey. So to me, people that bashed him, and I, don't, I wonder if they got some self hate. Yeah. And uh, guys, let's talk about uh, Matt. You're like our expert on the help me out, and not that Kyle's not, um, but you like followed the transfer portal uh, religiously. Tell <laughs> about, um, I don't know. Why. Matt actually, Matt actually has a home in the transfer portal. I think he does. Right. I, I I don't know why. I, it's 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 maddening, you know, to, for lack of a better term. But yeah, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he was just asking you in general about the transfer portal. Do you see any more guys coming to East Carolina? I'm assuming is where you were going with that. Yeah, I was getting ready to. Um, there was yeah. a post up there that's actually on CJ's Instagram. Um, so that's why I'm sorry I got a little distracted there. There was a what is CJ's post on Instagram? Uh, that I need to find it. I don't know. Let's see if I can. Okay, this is the Instagram for uh, CJ. So King J Five Instagram. Or this Instagram. So, if y'all want to look that up or help me look that up, um, but I was asking about the. Uh, I know that I know Bubba was talking about. We have another uh, DB from UNC potentially a third DB on the way. A big running back, yeah. uh, secret running back visiting this weekend. That uh, I'm assuming is a portal kid. Uh, I'd like to know who that is. So that is a uh, Kyle. That's a running back from Georgia Southern, uh, who has had success. He has numbers. He's uh, he started quite a few games there. He has over thirteen hundred yards for his career. He and, and most importantly, he played for Coach Chris Foster nice. uh, at Georgia Southern. So you have that connection there. He's got two years remaining. Um, so I always like two years. You know. One year, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle like you did with Winston, but two years makes a big difference. So he's coming in this week, Kyle, to answer your question. And, you know, there was some film. Somebody dropped some highlights, and and he looks like a very solid running back to me. Well, hopefully we get him. I'm sure he'll have some other offers, but uh, having the the ties on staff should help. I think Mello is very bored with your analysis there, Matt, but – <laughs> and your own i mean your your dog your dog you would think his man's best friend you would think that he would would be listening to his, his master there and that he would be saying yes i agree with you dad instead he's he's out he, he sleeps and eats and and repeat put that on repeat tough, and tough <laughs> what about uh one of my subject matters uh as far as the portal um talk to me about the offensive line that's one thing i'm uh, that and um I'm very worried about linebacker, those two positions. Speaking of O line, we don't need to forget about Coach Shank before we get out of here. Yeah, where are we going to? Well, we have two O linemen visiting this week, guys. We have one uh, is a JUCO in from from uh, California. I read about and credit to and I, let me just say I, I, you know, credit to to Steve and I go, um, you know, so I'll give all you know all credit to him on that for for providing that information. But we have the. The, the um, uh, JUCO coming in from California. And then we have a grad transfer from Toledo coming in this weekend Ooh. as well. Uh, and obviously a connection there with Winstead. Um, and, and and even in this uh, signing class, guys, we were able to flip a DB from Toledo a few days before uh, signing day. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of interesting connections lately with Toledo 
uh, of all places. So I do have a few O-linemen coming in. We need to land at least one or two of those guys. That's that's my feeling because if we want to have any kind of success, you got Keaton gone, which I was telling Kyle, man, if Keaton would have stayed, I would feel extremely confident about, you know, with uh, Garcia getting off to a great start. But, hey. Um, we got some talent in the running back room. If we yeah, get a kid from Georgia Southern, I think we'll be all right there running back. And what was the kid from Navy? I, I don't think he's going to get a shot now if we have with the uh, – there was a pretty good running back. I believe his name is Haywood or, or Hayward. Right, Haywood, yeah. yeah, Haywood, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that the uh, – I get the feeling that they're kind of like waiting. It's a wait-and-see approach with him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just kind of the feeling I get looking in from the outside. Take him if we don't get something better, basically. I hate to put it that way. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> by the way, it is true. Um, I see the letter up here on um, on for uh, CJ Johnson. Their letter is he's thinking Pirate Nation, the usual. Um, so CJ has declared for the draft. Uh, yeah, he says the last line. He says, with that being said. I'll be chasing my dream by entering my name in the 2023 NFL draft this year. Uh, boys, we are we are bare bones at receiver. I'll tell you that. We speaking of transfer portal, I know we got some guys in the room, uh, some young guys, but we we better be hitting the portal for a couple receivers in a hurry. Yeah. Well, hey, I tell you what, guys. Uh, like we said, you know, um, Bubba, I believe 1983 was the most that we've ever had drafted. In a year, I think it was eight between uh, the CFL, USFL, and NFL, and that's our record. But uh, I'm not saying eight people are going to be drafted. I'm just curious, guys. Off, uh, what's the over under? You say I'm going to put the number at three. How many guys will get drafted in this uh, the the group that have declared and or their seniors? How many do you think it's more than three or less than three that will actually get drafted? I think it's three or less. Yeah, I'll say two. I'll I'm say doing two. NFL. I'm doing the whole. NFL, CFL, and USFL, not just. Oh, uh, well, if you're talking about all that, I mean, God knows. I mean, I, you know, I, that's, and I, if, if you're going to count the USFL and the CFL, then I mean, that's, that's a whole ball, different ball of wax. I mean, the, the, yeah, I'll take the over. Definitely take the over. Because I think we can, I think we have uh, four or five all the top of my head. I, I think everybody that, that, that's trying to go pro will get a shot at one of those leagues. I hope God knows. I hope so. Let me tell you. I mean, but that's going to be, it'll be great to see. But um, that was uh, something I want to talk about tonight. Also, um, guys, one of the things that I was really excited to see, even though we have a big friend and a Rick mentor for the show, and we were pulling up, we wanted Michigan to win TCU. Um, they were, uh, what a great story that's been. And, I love it because there's so many people, including that were hating on Timmy B uh, about the TCU game, hating on Timmy B about the Tulane game, which we're going to talk about. But TCU and the national championship, if they win it, is a great thing for college football. And I know there's a lot of Georgia friends, fans out there, friends of ours, like our sister podcast with Talking Racing with Mike Ray. We love you, Mike. But man, if TCU wins the national championship, um, that's great for the sport. And it's great to have the 12-team playoff coming. It shows that it's not a gimmick for the 12-team playoff. There, there are teams like TCU that can win other than the – Well, I teams. think Tulane beating UCF, beating UCF, beating USC, and then, uh, and, and then you know, TCU playing, making the national championship game. I think that, that solidifies the 12-team playoff 
that it needed to be done. And uh, I hope Texas Christian wins. I uh, I doubt it, but I hope they do. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt. When uh, I said along that Michigan, I just felt like Michigan, that people were putting too much stock in Michigan. Not that I'm anti-Michigan, but TCU is a really good football team. I'm and anti-Michigan. They, and uh, they deserve to win that game. And uh, they deserve to be in the conversation. I thought it was funny, Matt, how they were talking about they don't deserve to be in the playoff because – they didn't win the Big 12 game, and that's debatable too, but that's a whole nother show. Um, yeah. And that that was a touchdown to me, but anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But regardless, I said, hey, if Michigan doesn't come to play, TCU can put up a lot of points. Stop them. And they played a great game. They deserved to win. And I'll tell you another thing, guys. The the playoff, both playoff games were amazing with the Georgia, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State, God, Ohio State game. Um, both games were really, really good. That I tell you guys, like that was one of the more enjoyable nights of football I've had in, in yeah. years. I was in heaven that night. Those games were awesome. The the Michigan uh TCU game, correct me if I'm wrong. I know one of you guys know I think in the third quarter, I think there were like forty points scored. Is that is that true? I'm not sure. I honestly I was at a New Year's Eve party and didn't get to watch the game. I'll have to look back at that. There was a lot. There was a lot of points scored. I mean, they had. I, I remember one. My favorite play, trick play, is a flea flicker, and Michigan did that. Scored a quick touchdown in, gosh, a couple plays, two or three plays. All, I mean, all was, I saw of the playoff games was the very end of Georgia Ohio State. I saw Georgia score the go ahead touchdown, and Ohio State missed the field goal, and that's uh, all I saw of the playoff games. Wow. Kyle, let me tell you, man, the, the the Michigan TCU, you have to go back and watch it if you can. Oh my God, it was great. It was it it was a track meet. At one point, literally, if you turned away from the TV for two right. minutes, you missed a touchdown. Wow. I mean, it was back and forth. It was, it, it was unbelievable. Fight. It was so it was one of the more entertaining games I've seen. And I was forty four, Matt. Say again, Dave. It was 44 points in the third quarter. I just looked it up. I knew it was a lot of points. I didn't know it was that many. Wow. Yeah. I mean, think yeah. about that for a second. 44 points in one quarter. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. But uh, it was, Kyle, it was fun to watch. And, you know, it was so much drama. It was so much drama. It was like a heavyweight fight. Like, it's like when you see these two heavyweights and um, there's a big blow by one and then the other one knocks them right back. And, I mean, punch him in the mouth. I mean, it was like, you know, yeah, just, it, I think you got to figure it out. Like who's going to take control of the game? Not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. Yeah, and I didn't. Like I said, I was at a New Year's Eve party, so I didn't get to see it. But one one game I did get to see, and uh, we'll, we'll we talk about a couple more games, and we'll sort of wrap this up. But uh, congratulations to Mississippi State, Mike Leach. Um, that was a game I was mostly of all the games besides East Carolina, Coastal Carolina. I was even more so than Tulane. I was emotionally invested in that game, one in Mississippi State beat Illinois because of my love for Mike Leach and what he meant to the game. And uh, I, I told my wife, I said, uh, when Mississippi State got the ball back there at the end of the fourth, I said, they ain't nobody stopping these boys. And they would have gotten the end zone. They got conservative and played for the field goal, and they, and they made the field goal, and then they got a pick six at the very end. But um, they were on a mission that last drive. It was uh, very, very glad to see Mississippi State win that game for Mike Leach. And then, uh, then I flipped it over and watched Tulane uh, shock USC in the comeback. I tell you what, guys, that Tulane game, uh, I'm just so happy for that program. I was thinking about – Matt, do you remember the 98 season with Sean King? Nice. Yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah. Remember that, yep. 
and they, uh, the, you know, Tulane has those moments, but Willie Fritz has taken this team to a, a level that's unbelievable there. And he was talking about, I just love what he said in the post game. We're winning this for, you know, our program. We're winning this for New Orleans. We're winning this, you know, for the city. He just went on. Yeah, he's very humble. He's a very likable guy. And, uh, and great win for the American. Um, one thing that'll be interesting to see going forward, uh, Tulane is in New Orleans. Um, if they can continue to have the success, it'll be interesting to see if there's any more poaching, if they get a look at the, the Big 12 or the Pac-12 um, because of the media market if Tulane keeps winning. What about and Memphis? And Memphis is another team that... I, I think Memphis is... I really, to be honest with you, Dave, they got FedEx money, but besides that, I mean, who really gives a crap about the Memphis media market? Um, I mean, it, you know, it's a big city, it's but geographically though, too, if it's uh, right there with uh, yeah, I, I think Tulane, if they keep winning, is more appealing, particularly to the Pac-12 with their academic standards, and and I think the Big 12 will end up taking more from the Pac-12, and along with the Big 10, obviously, and um. I think the Pac-12 is going to need some teams, and I think they're going to come east. And I wouldn't be surprised to see SMU and Tulane end up in the Pac-12 before all of a sudden. Uh, well, I didn't. Be uh, be interesting to watch. But um, I'll tell you guys, the one thing about yesterday that – well, actually for the whole weekend that was proved is that, you know, anybody who was against the 12-team playoff, the whole argument just got blown up. Yep. Got yeah. blown up. <laughs> yes. I, I was so happy to see that because, you know, you look at, and I'll, I'll just wrap First of all, all right, let's start with TCU, right? A lot of people say they shouldn't have made the playoff. Hey, you know, they got their opportunity, they proved it. Take a look at Tulane, right? They would have been, correct me if I'm wrong, the highest ranked team from the. Uh, yeah, they'd be in the playoff. If it was yeah. 24. So another one. And then, and then I'll tell you guys, a team that nobody's really talked about, Penn State is a team that, really can play with just about anybody in the country. Um, you put them in a playoff, and they're going to give people problems. So I, I just think the whole – everything worked out in terms of, like, the timing. It validated this idea to go to a 12-team playoff. No, no doubt. I agree with you with TCU and Tulane. That anybody who thought it was a bad – first of all, if you thought it was a bad idea, I think you're maybe un-American. But uh, if – uh Otherwise, uh, it, it did validate it if you had any any reservations. But uh, I, I want to guys. I want reservations, Kyle. Do what now? Nick Nick Saban, right? Wasn't he? He was well. The one he, that, until he was, was going to miss out. Until he was going to miss out, then he changed his mind. <laughs> uh, Nick Saban's a tool. Uh, he's, he's the biggest. He's, he's the biggest tool in America. One of them. Oh uh, well, I don't really? know. You don't like him? No, I don't like Saban. Uh, there's bigger. Jimmy Kimmel may be the biggest tool in America. Um, What's wrong with Jimmy Kimmel? A lot. He's a hypocrite. He's, I'll agree with that one. Yeah, you agree with me, Matt? I've never seen somebody that changed so much over the years, so fake. The man show, girls bouncing on trampolines, ziggy, 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 oi, oi, oi. And now he's Mr. Politically Correct. I hate Jimmy Kimmel. I like to punch him in his face. But anyway. <laughs> and his best friend, Howard Stern, is the same way. But oh, you nailed it, baby. You nailed it. I had the same conversation last night. Another, the biggest hypocrite on the planet. Howard Stern's interview with Anna Nicole Smith when she put on weight is one of the most sickening things I've ever seen in my life. He, 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 he is a complete piece of trash for treating that woman the way he did. Uh, if anybody has never seen the interview, go watch it and be prepared to want to punch him in his face. And now he's most politically correct. I can't stand him. He's a piece of garbage. But anyway, um, I don't know how the hell we got on this. But, uh, well, Nick Saban being a tool. 
made me think of other tools. But um, <laughs> but it's I tool time, uh, baby, it's tool time. Speaking, speaking of a guy who is not a tool, who's a genuine, who's a genuine dude, great guy, and um, somebody that that I love um, and respect as a man, and somebody that uh that uh, Matt Semenza knows because uh, he played. You know, obviously Matt played on the defense side of the ball, but. Matt, uh, want to get your thoughts on Coach Shankweiler retiring? Man, I mean, all-time pirate, great career, really good, really good guy, likable guy, and he's just a football coach, you know. Like he's to be, to be able to last in that profession for that many years. First of all, says a lot about somebody, but to be invited back to the same place four times. Yeah. Says, says even more. I mean, I, you know, I mean, that's just, it's almost unheard of. So, and to, and to want to come back every time. Yeah, exactly. So, just, just a great coach. He did a tremendous job here, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I'm happy for him because, uh, you know, you, you want to see him have a great retirement and, you know, and, and, and you know, hopefully he can just, you know, enjoy life and not have to work so hard. But uh, he's going to be tough to replace, guys. I think it'll be great in that off-the-field role with alumni, working uh, with alumni relations and high school relations. I think that's perfect for him. I think he'll do a tremendous job of that. Yeah, yeah. and um, by the way, guys, uh, I know that uh, Richard Allsburg, our good friend, put it best. Future Hall of Famer for Shank, most definitely. Yes, definitely. I think Donnie Kay is a, a Hall of Famer. I believe uh, those two come to mind uh, off the top of my head. I think if Coach Houston – I'm talking about with Donnie Kay, by the way, with the, his whole uh, work. Yeah, his tenure here. Uh, yeah, him, him. Uh, Rick Smith yeah. would be another guy. Rick Smith yeah. is another one. Absolutely. Uh, those three guys come to mind. And I tell you what, uh, Coach Houston, uh, he stays here a handful, three, four more years, uh, and has a success, sustained success that he's had. Uh, he's a guy that will be in the conversation. I think another one, um, guys, I've been disappointed not to see so far, I think Coach Holtz deserves to be in the in the Hall of Fame uh, from. Yeah, it, it'll happen. It'll happen. Coach Holtz will eventually get in there. Um, I, it'll. I think it happened faster for Ruffin because he played here, uh, but it took a long time for Logan to get in. Um, so I, I think Holtz will eventually get in, and I think he deserves it too. But back to Coach Shankweiler, you know, he coached yeah. under Coach Holtz and coached under Coach Lewis and coached under Coach Art Baker and coached under. Coach under coach, uh, you know, you know Logan, and 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 now again, Coach Houston, and just every time he was here, we we had a good O line. There was never a time he was here where we didn't have a good O line. Seventy years old, still able to identify with kids. Um, I mean, I, it doesn't look seventy; it looks great for his age too. Um, yep. Uh, Shanks kind of looked like he was. Shanks kind of looked like he was fifty since he was thirty. Um, so it benefits you when you're seventy. Um, so. I, uh, I, I love Coach Shank and, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've only had a chance to talk to him in person a couple of times and, you know, but I really do love and respect him as, as a coach and as a man and, uh, and everything he's done for the program. And, um, glad to see him retire, not get fired. He went yeah. out, he went out a winner, uh, went out with a good one, went out with a bowl win. Um, going to stay with the program. Perfect ending for a career. No doubt about it. And uh, again, proud of him and all his accomplishments. And thank you. I mean, we should have a daggone uh, statue outside the the stadium for all the time that he put in. And five coaches, guys, a lot of time there, all the way back to when I became a Pirate fan. Think about that. Art Baker and uh, Steve Logan 
And then you have, uh, like you said, uh, oh, well, Bill Lewis, Hartbacker, Bill Lewis, and came Lewis, back under Phil Logan. Steve Logan. Yeah. And then uh, with Holtz and now Houston, I mean, no, I get now, Matt. You did not play under Coach Shank. I'm sorry. I, I said you played under Coach Shank. You did not. He he didn't come back until Logan until you were gone. Correct. He came back the year year after, after right? I left. Yeah. That's correct. Ninety eight to two thousand two, right, Matt? Yeah. I think I was out my head. That's right. Correct. That yeah. is correct. But I did have. I remember having conversations with him around the locker room and in the weight room. And he's always, he always impressed me. Really nice guy, you know, great coach. And I'll tell you one thing. He's the reason I like him. He's he and Donnie K are old school. They're guys that like, they've been through the, so many battles. Rick Smith is another one. I listen to those guys, Rick Minner that we have on the show. There's certain guys I listen to talk football. And yeah. And, and you mentioned Rick Minner. Uh, he's a guy that also had a strong relationship with Shank. When uh when 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 Logan got fired here, he took he took Shank at Cincinnati, and then oh, when Rick great. got fired at Cincy, he carried Rick got hired down at uh, South Carolina and uh, helped Shank get that job as O line coach of South Carolina. That's right. I hadn't thought about it. Great point. It's a small world, right? In the coaching yep. profession, you better not be that. Uh, hey guys, do you have anything before we go? I know it's been a, a long show, but I think we had a lot of great content and uh, a lot to talk about tonight. No, uh, just look forward to the basketball game tomorrow uh, again. Congratulations to Coach Shankwiler on a great career, and good luck to all the Pirates in the uh, in the draft. And we better be hitting the portal for some damn receivers. It's uh, it's a lot of positions, I think. But um, and by the way, guys, prayers. Uh, I know a lot of people have been told my social media. Oh yeah, Mar Hamlin. I uh, want to say a special prayer for. Hopefully, I know that he's been speaking of Cincinnati there last night. Uh, I know a lot of people have What's been, the latest on him? The last I saw a few hours ago, uh, if those can help me, is that he's still in critical condition at the ICU there at the University of Cincinnati Hospital. It's a level one trauma center. So they've been doing a great job taking care of him. So the good news is, uh, like Craig pointed out in our group text last night, Craig just said, is the fact that they were able to get to him very fast. And so that's, uh, yeah. that's a good sign that they were able, I don't know about brain damage or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one here on the sports objective, but you're I not do. a doctor. No, I'm not. Oh, my dad okay. Under all, all this time, I thought you were. My dad's the, my dad's the doctor in the family. My sister is too for a PhD, but not me. I'm the. <laughs> uh, and uh, Bubba wants to guys mention- thoughts on. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. I uh, be proud. You're gonna say Grayson McCall returning to Coastal. Is that what you're gonna talk about, Matt? No, I was gonna ask you. Uh, just watching that unfold last night. Thoughts on how the NFL. Oh, handled that situation, guys. I'll tell you very quickly. Uh, first of all, that was a very sensitive. I thought the uh, if you're like us, and maybe I don't have anything to talk about, people could say that for me every um, time. But I thought that the NFL did a poor job. Um, ABC and ESPN. Um, this is broad. This is what it's upsetting to me. Is this broadcasting 101? Okay. Um, there's no doubt about it. You don't talk about football when that kid had that hit. And they were being very, the announcers were being very sensitive, but ABC and ESPN put those announcers on the air for one hour with nothing to talk about. I mean, what else can, they kept saying the same thing and they were being, I'm not knocking the uh, announcers. It it was even worse when I was watching the ABC coverage afterwards with Scott Van Pelt. Yeah, that's another, yeah. It looks like a human penis, by the way. Um, I, uh, he gets on my nerves. I can't stand looking at him, but, um, 
he uh, he he just rambled on and on. human penis. There was nothing to talk about. Yeah, I got rid of Matt. Human penis. Um, but uh, I no, there was nothing to talk about. It went on and on and on, uh, forever. Re- repeated itself over and over. Um, Kyle, you and I are uh, baseball fans. I know Bubba's too. And 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 I had said it was funny. Craig and I text about the same time. Broadcast one hundred and one. My point was with broadcasting one hundred and one, you you automatically know something could happen. I'm not saying they knew that kid that was going to happen. I'm not saying that. Not. But emergencies happen. Well, all- just how about this? Just just golf the damn air. Put on uh put on reruns of Andy Griffith or whatever you have in your ABC ESPN vault and uh, say we'll have updates as they're available yeah. Uh, yeah. instead of just sitting there talking aimlessly. Like with the. Uh, like for example, with uh, you know when what I was getting at Matt is uh, and Bubba, the baseball when they have the rain delays, they don't have. And our good friend Corey Glory, when he was with us, well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you, Dave. To me, it was like they were waiting, and I hate to say it, it was like they were they wanted to be there in case he died. It was like they wanted or, to be on the air in case he died. Right. It, it, first of all, it, the first part of it, it was. They thought the game was going to be played. They kept thinking the game was going to be played. I'm like, this game is not going to be played. I'm just some average guy like in Williamston, North Carolina. Who in the world is going to come back and play that game? Can, well, I, you know what can happen. They, the WWE continued when Owen Hart died. So was, it, it, yeah. it could, it, it could uh, have happened. I could have seen that happen, and it would not have surprised me. But uh, it, it didn't. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and we, we'll wrap this up because uh, it's getting late. But what are you guys' thoughts on Skip Bayless' tweet? Um, I hate Skip Bayless. He's another tool. What but I think his tweet was taken out of context a bit. That's what I'm hearing from a lot of people. I haven't seen the tweet, so I can't comment on it. But a lot of people's reaction that I've heard is that uh, he, even though he's like a heel and he does the hot takes and all that, that it wasn't, it was taken out of context and it wasn't meant to be. Well, I think, to me, the last line is, is key. Did he mean that sincerely or sarcastically? His last line was, you know, this. how do you not play this game? This game seems so important, blah, blah, blah. Now, suddenly, this game doesn't seem to matter at all. So, did he mean that sincerely, as in what mattered was the young man's life, or did he mean it snidely? Um, if he's smart, what he does, even if he meant it snidely, said he meant it sincerely, what mattered was the young man's life, it, it was taken out of context. I wouldn't apologize for the tweet. I, I would, even if he didn't mean it that way, that's how I would say I meant it. And I hope that's how he did mean it. I I, I kind of took it as – I didn't take it as being sarcastic. Um, you know, he's the guy, though, very unlikable, always putting his foot in his mouth. Um, Dallas I, is winning the Super Bowl every year, by the way, Matt, with him. Yeah, he I, – I didn't – honestly, I didn't have – I thought a lot of it was taken out of context with, with that particular quote. But, um, you know, and the final thing I'll say, guys, is the NFL will never miss an opportunity – to make money or to capitalize on, you know, TV ratings. And, and, you know, last night I thought was a disgusting display again. I think the NFL wanted to continue that game. I think credit to the coaches for coming together. I think the coaches are the ones that actually facilitated the whole thing where, Hey, we're going to go back to the locker room. We're going to take a break and and good for them because they stood up, they stood up for their players. I think if the NFL had it their way, they would have continued that game. Um, and made themselves look like fools. But, you know, this is the same league, guys, that preaches to you about concussions and yet is trying to add extra preseason and, and regular season games. So they, they'll show you 
They'll always show you what they're about at the end of the day. It's about money. It's about ratings. But they could have, again, they could have put on the best of Monday Night Football. They need to have, if you're a radio, let me tell you this, and we'll get out of here. Well, the the reason it should, the way it should have been handled, Dave, they could have put on anything. They could have put on reruns of, of, of Small Wonder. And there's a, there's a, if anybody gets that reference, you win a prize. Um, And then had cut-ins. Just had cut-ins every half hour with updates. That would have been how to handle it. Yeah, but that's that's my thing is I'm not anti the dude. I was really upset about it, but they didn't say anything for an hour. And then they had the whole and then they had the whole Scott Van Pelt thing. That was I think that was their decision is like, we'll go to Scott Van Pelt early. But that was worse. The dude didn't have anything to add. So and I like actually like him. But I was like, what is he going to provide? What does he know that the (laughs) other folks don't know? They wanted to be on the air in case he died. I'm telling you, that's what it was. As morbid as it sounds, I really believe that's what it was because that's writings. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's news. It's breaking news. They didn't want to miss it. And um, like I said, it was a, there was a better way to handle it. And uh, yeah, and it wasn't handled that way. And it is what it is. And nothing the NFL does. That's why I don't care about the NFL. I love the NFL, but that was not a uh, great moment for them last night. Um, they could have handled it different. But anyway. What, what the heck do I know? And there's, uh, yeah, thank you, Bubba. He has that up there for uh, for CJ. I read the last line, um, but that's, if you want to read that, that's the his, I guess, uh, Dear John letter, goodbye uh, letter. Uh, so, yeah, and good luck to CJ. I wish you were coming back one more year. I think it would benefit you, but um, good luck in the draft. I can stomach this when they go to the league, as long as yeah. they're not going to a different school. No, I have no problems with it. I think it's great, and um. I don't think it's great. Not for, I just think CJ's making a mistake. I think he should come back for one more year. No, but, I know. I'm just saying I hope yeah. it works. I'm just trying to be positive. I hope it works out for him, too, obviously. Yeah. All right, guys, do you have anything before we go? No, nah, I think I'm I'm fresh out of words. All right. Uh, for Matt, Bubba, Kyle, thanks uh, again to Jason. Appreciate him for the work. Uh, I was going to say Oregon, my guy. The Orlando sitting on tired and we'll get out of here. You've been watching the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and as always – Go Pirates. Every touchdown with the cannons blast Get it on, get it all, get the way going